your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Loss and What It Taught Me About Living is a memoir of love, grief, hope and healing by well-known Limerick woman Tracy Corbett Lynch, uh, no stranger to listeners on this show and in the media generally as she continues to fight for justice for the murder of her beloved brother Jason Corbett in North Carolina. Besides this trauma... Tracy lost a twin, a sister-in-law whom she adored, a brother-in-law whom she adored, who died in his 40s. And during the pandemic, she lost her mother to COVID-19. And uh, Tracy um, is on the line now. Good morning to Tracy. Um, Yeah, I mean, even just to do that, you know, in summary, um, a lot of people listening this morning who, who may well know you or know of you wouldn't have any sense of what you've gone through. Morning, Joe. Um, yeah, I suppose I've I've had so many people that I've loved die, and I lost a twin, and as you said, my sister-in-law and dear friend Meg suffered an asthma attack, and Jason, my brother, was murdered by his second wife, and we've been caught in that seven-year legal nightmare over my family's campaign for justice. And a year later, we had my amazing brother-in-law Kevin pass away from cancer. Um, very shortly and just when I thought I'd go to the whole life control at me the COVID pandemic came to my mother Yeah, I know in the book you describe the difference between you know normal in inverted commas grief Tracy and then grief as a result of a loved one being lost through a trauma- traumatic event like Jason's murder just describe the differences as you see them yeah I think I really think grief to be honest Joe you know each time we lose somebody is is not the same and I don't think anybody experiences grief similarly your experience and your life experience is very different to mine and you know if you lose someone and I do you know we, we process it in different ways but for me the, the impact of you know I know the death and the impact of death on us can be influenced by a sad, bad set of circumstances um, but one true violence, I suppose, can make it all the harder to bear. Um, it's just when somebody dies needlessly and that loss can just increase beyond comprehension. In those circumstances, you know, I'd ask myself, how do I make sense of the census? And just the unfairness surges to the surface. And I was left completely addressed with just negative emotions, like just anger and sadness and despair to grab hold of and um, it's it's a very lonely place but it doesn't make any other death less valid to the individual, it's all relative to our own feelings and you know as I said my life experience affects how I process and see the world the same as yours do for you Joe, mm. as many of your listeners will experience as well. Tracy how did you build up Resilience, because you have a trauma that's ongoing. Obviously, you're currently dealing with is very much in the media. The case in the US. Yeah, um, look, I. It was really difficult, Joy. You know, death is not living in me, and um, I've lost so many people to, to you know, if it's cancer or you know, asthma attack or chasing through murder and. Um, when I was young, I had found out that, you know, I was a twin. I was only 12 years of age and 
I think that was the beginning of me. I was really inquisitive as a child um, and I wanted to learn about myself. But certainly after Mags died, I I tried to ignore it. And, you know, Jason, I was trying to support Jason as well and didn't look at it as a loss for myself as, you know, as much because I was looking at the pain he was going through. Um, So I, I had to really... I hit rock bottom to be honest I went into a very deep depression after Mike died um, and made bad decisions and had to get help eventually when I realised that I needed to face that life had changed um, and I had to acknowledge that I was in pain and I was grieving and I needed to do things to help myself and it's, it's really difficult you have to look at yourself warts and all and you know, it's not pretty um, and you don't get a quick fix. And I've tried so much, you know, you, you go off and there isn't, if it's from sea swimming, you know, or I've art class, art therapy and talk therapy and some are so beneficial and there isn't one recipe that, you know, that fits at all or, you know, what worked for me may not work for other people. But I think it was the willingness to never give up and try to find, you know, hope in that. I think it was my mother once said to me, don't just have a life, live your life. Um, and I think that just at the worst times that stuck with me. So I just really had to dig deep so that I could live my life and mm-hmm. not just exist. We're chatting to Tracy Corbett Lynch, who's written Loss and What It Taught Me About Living. I mean, what would you say to someone outside who'd look in at your life and, and you know, the trauma and the loss that you've suffered and say, you've been very unlucky? I think I've been very lucky in my life. I've had such amazing people. I mean, the depth and breadth of the love and experience you know, I wouldn't swap it for the world. And those memories and those the value in all those moments, you know, carry me through the days. And I, I live alongside my grief. My grief lives alongside me. Um, but I'm living and, you know, don't feel sorry or sympathy for me. I'm, I'm blessed. And it doesn't mean that I don't grieve. I don't feel, you know, I'm not feeling the pain of loss. I am. I'm just every day I'm trying to work to live a good life. And I remember earlier on someone asked me to explain my perspective on my life before and after grief. And I tried to explain it as you probably have it on front of you there, Joe, a perfectly smooth sheet of airport paper. It's smooth and glossy and pristine and there's no marks or curls or creases and you know, then death happened and it was like someone took, and if you take it, that lovely smoothie sheet of paper and just scrunch that up tight and crumple it up so tight and just leave it down. It doesn't even look or resemble a sheet of paper anymore. And, you know, left alone, it, it might unfold a little, but it resembles nothing like its previous shape. But if you carefully and gently unfold it and work to rub it out, it will once again resemble that sheet of paper, creases and tears, you know, will ensure it's never the same as before, but it's visibly a sheet of paper. And that simple analogy helped me to understand early on the impact of death and loss 
mm. in my life and what I needed to do for me. Now, it's not the same as before. And in fact, it will never be the same as before for me. There's a lot of psychological marks from the legacy of those losses I suffered. But there are indelible positive and negative mm. imprints on my life that people made. So instead of worrying about the marks, I've learned to carry them with pride and you know, I carry Jason, Mags, and Nora, and Kevin, and Mam, and the people that I've loved who have died in my heart. Yeah, but the the grief around Jason, I mean, does that remain unresolved? Because you, you're waiting now for a retrial that won't happen for many months. It is like you work over the years to heal and rebuild yourself, and we did as a family and as a new family as well. Um, but absolutely what happened last year to us was like someone just ripping, you know, a, a plaster off a very raw wound that was just gently, you know, healing. Um, and you have to start all over again. So, it, you know, I think if you can compare it, to, there are families that are perhaps waiting for inquests um, and it's just waiting for that door to close so you can move forward and the truth is I'm still grieving Joe it's you don't ever stop I don't believe it's seven years since you know over seven years since Jason has died and just a couple of weeks ago Sarah and I opened up a suitcase he put together of Mike's belongings before he moved to America back in 2011 and inside it I hadn't noticed this bottle of um, aftershave that Mike his wife bought him like way back and obviously he started to wear it all through his life and he put a bottle of it into the suitcase and we shook it and spritzed it and it was just such a potent and bittersweet memory but it was lovely to have him you know to have that feeling back but it was it's seven years and you know it was beautiful but also the loss is really sharp you, you feel it yeah what about trying to cope with your own grief alongside helping people, particularly you younger members of your family, with their grief? I think we had to compartmentalise a lot of things with our experience around Jason's death, Jason's murder. Um, you know, we, we, we had to focus on the children and prioritise the children and it was important to listen and watch and you know, children express themselves very differently. Um, or certainly did. Jack and Sarah certainly did. Um, and this it shows a lot more in their behaviour and it changes as they change in terms of their age. Um, so we tried lots of things with them, talk therapy, echoing therapy, art therapy, you know, drama and music. One thing I, I definitely found very useful and helpful particularly with one of our kids, was a word a day and it was learning a different word and its meaning and then putting it into a sentence. And that helped them over the years to be able to articulate the vast, you know, raw experience that they had and their grief. And bearing in mind, our kids' experience were, you know, with Jack and Sarah was moving from a different country and there was so much for them to contend with. So the focus was very much listening, but equally it was being honest and open. I didn't hide, you know, that I was in pain from them, that I missed their dad and that it hurt really badly that he wasn't with us. Mm. So I think honesty is so important. 
and, and Tracy, I mean, I was thinking about this when they talked about the retrial date and, you know, it being into June of next year and we know there are exams for the kids and all sorts of things happening. And I wondered how... I mean, what's the strategy between now and then for for dealing with it? You know, I mean, are, are you counting the days on a calendar? Are you putting it to one side of your mind? How are you going to manage that? You know, with everything coming on the rest of this year, then you've Christmas to get through, New Year, all the other things that happen in your life, and then waiting a seemingly interminable time until the retrial. It's such a good question, Joe, and it's one that since last year when the retrial you know, was ordered that David and I have been speaking about me speaking with the kids as a family and really we'll do what we always did and we'll, you know, we, we do have talk therapy um, professional help is so important um, we do try to be active the children are physically active you know, they look after their physical, mental and spiritual well-being um, all of us really do try to do that but we take one day at a time. That's all we can do, you know. And yeah, sometimes, you know, I know there's hearings in November, there's hearings in January, there's a hearing in March, there's a pre-trial in June, and then there's a retrial um, on the 26th of June. So we know there's a lot to face. But I can't change that. We can't control it. Um, so it's just, it's very much trying to look at the day ahead and what we have and try and appreciate it. You know, we've, our, our eldest son, um, you know, I've just become a grandmother. I have a four-month-old grandchild, um, and that's amazing. So we just try to look at focus. It doesn't mean that every day is good and, you know, we're fine and that, but it's okay not to be okay. Mm. You know, we recognise yeah. that. And, and having become very well known, Tracy, not just locally, but nationally and internationally, do you get a lot of contact from people, you know, out of nowhere or people that you might have struck up relationships with, that sort of thing over the years? Well, you know I do, Joe. You you received letters for me. Yeah, that's um, very true. Absolutely <laughs> right. We did. We've had to pass them on to you, yeah. Yes. Um, I've, I've been very lucky in that and, and it's one of the reasons that I wrote this book as well. I've had huge community of support from all over the world, from Australia to America, to England, and all across Ireland, really all over the world, I have people, you know, reaching out who have lost people and sharing their stories with me that helped me. Um, and not, you know, and, you know, people who they've lost through many different circumstances. And that's helped hugely, hugely. And we still, you know, I still communicate with them. And, you know, I have a very strong group on Twitter. Um, and we all support each other, and it's wonderful. It really is. Mm. As a matter of interest, do you um, do you talk to Jason? If you know what I mean, do you, do you, how, how do you how do you still communicate? I do. Um, Jason and Mam and I, I write in the book as one of the things that I do actually, um, and I call it my rituals and that. And my mother used to take us um, to Clare on holidays, and it's it's well known. But we used to go to these old sea wells um, and she used to bring them. My mother was very uh, holy, so she'd go to Mass. and um, But she'd bring us to these sea wells and we'd go and we'd we'd pray in that. But your Jay and I and Wayne, and we loved it. Like, you know, we'd walk a couple of miles and go and do it. So 
what I, I found beautiful well up just below um, the Cliffs of Moher. And I had brought my mother there once and she loved it. So I go there and I might light a candle for them and I might write a little note and burn it or tear it up and take it away with me. Um, but it's a beautiful place and some people, you know, might find it very difficult. You know, there's a lot of relics and notes and candles. But for me, it brings me closer to Mam and to Jay and that. But yeah, I do. I do talk to them sometimes and particularly, you know, Jack turned 18 and, you know, that was something that I really felt and, and felt in my heart for Jason and Mags. Mm. What does the support of the people of Limerick mean to you? I, David and I and the kids and that, I mean, we are so lucky. I have to say, I can't tell you how much we appreciate it. I remember when Jack and Sarah's, um, the case or the trial, sorry, the hearing for the guardianship. And I had looked at all the people outside um, City Hall, you know, and the candlelit vigil. And we were waiting for news and I felt totally alone in the world. And I looked at this on the iPhone and I just couldn't believe that so many people had come out for us and it meant everything and it really like gave me strength to continue on. And it was the same during the trial in 2017. Um, there was a mass, you know, in St. John's Cathedral that my friends organised um, and I, I went out and there was a break during the trial and we dialed into it and you know, and I said a little prayer with it, but it just gives you that sense of strength and, you know, that you come from a place, like Limerick is amazing, like we know that anyway, I mean, look at our GA and our monster and our people are amazing, so I was just so lucky that, you know, the people rode in behind us. Mm. I don't think I would be where I am now if I didn't have the support that I had, Joe, to be honest. Right. And finally, Tracy, I mean, this book, Loss and What It Taught Me About Living what is your hope from writing it uh, along with Ralph Regal, who I think has become a friend as well as a journalist? Yeah, yeah. I, I really hope that this provides some support um, and hope and comfort to people who find themselves grieving. And, you know, it's not a book anyone would like to be in a position to write, Joe. Um, but I wanted to share my experience. I felt like it was important I felt like I needed to acknowledge how much people had reached out and cared for me and if this provides some comfort to other people, you know, then I'm, I'll be very glad. Okay. Well, listen, I think you know everyone wishes you well. We we certainly do and wish you a bit of peace, I suppose, ultimately. That's maybe the journey that many are on and, and you reflect on too in the book. But we thank you very much for your time this morning and uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll be talking to you again in the months ahead. All right. Uh, take care of yourself, Tracy. Thank you. Thanks so much, Joe. I really appreciate it. No problem. That's Tracy Corbett Lynch and uh, her uh, book is Loss and What It Taught Me About Living. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash.